Okay, we're going to speak this morning from Exodus, the third chapter. Exodus uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 1, it says this, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Oreb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Of course, in the type, this is a picture of Israel. They've been in bondage and in slavery and going through a tough time for 400 years, but they weren't consumed. As a matter of fact, they multiplied. They multiplied in number. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, did you see that? What caused him to turn aside? Was that independent of his will? Or with his will did he choose to turn aside? He was occupied with sheep. He was occupied at this particular time with the comforts of life. That's how he was occupied. But from the comforts of his life, when he saw the bush burning and saw that it wasn't consumed, he turned aside to look at it. That's what God calls us to do when we come to hear the word. He calls us aside, and he has to, because if he doesn't, we would comfort ourselves with details of life and stay there and never turn aside. So he turns aside, and it says this, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, and guess what happened? When he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush. When someone's will is not submitted to him, when they don't turn aside, they don't turn aside to the word, to hear the word, to hear who they are in Christ. What is it? Then what does God call them? Do they hear the voice in John 10, 3, 14, and 27? Do they hear the voice of the shepherd? The answer is no. But he does, it doesn't do away with his call any more than it does away with his love. Because if we remember in Romans 8, verse 28 again, all things work together for the good to them that love God. And remember, as we've been taught, how do we return our love to God? Through obedience, and obedience is never separated from our will given over to him. And so that's what happens. So the will is submitted. Then they begin to hear, and he, as Moses did, calling out of the midst of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. How many times does God call? This is emphatic. He has, he's saying his name, and he has to say it twice because he's trying to get even with him pulled aside, there could still be a distraction, and he calls his name again. Moses, Moses. And then what? He said, here am I. I'm here. And he said this, draw not near here, but put off your shoes from off your feet, for the place wherein you stand is holy ground. Is that the place when we gather together to hear the word of God? Is it any less holy? Is it any less that we should reverence his presence when we come together? Well, that's what it says. Draw near and put off your shoes 
Put off your shoes, put off your earthly life, put off your comfortable life, put off all those distractions and turn aside and see who I am and reverence me. Is there any other place to rest but in his love? And is it anything but the enemy would use in everything? A thousand different excuses. A thousand different excuses. Thousands of them not to draw near. And still declare, I love him. (laughs) He said, draw not here. Put off your shoes, off your feet. What you made, what you used to protect your feet, Put it off, for the place wherein you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the Lord God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. That's that's another reason why a lot of people, unfortunately Christians, they don't come to hear the word of God, because why? They are afraid. Why? Because love hasn't reached them in an area of their life because they haven't submitted their will over in obedience. Therefore, they don't have rest. And when you don't have rest, can you receive? Can I receive? And so we see this here. He was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Did you hear that? Do you know anyone that's going through a tough time? Do you know anyone that's hurting? Do you know that God's plan is perfect about that? Otherwise, it wouldn't even be happening. Did you know that? Remember the dot in the circle, so easy to forget. I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. Listen to what it says. And have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. A taskmaster for a believer can be worry. It can be fear. It can be my worry and my fear about myself based upon my emotions which don't, which don't think properly. When I don't think properly with the word of God, my emotions become that that directs me. Could it be fear about loved ones? Could it be over, listen, and we to love them and pray for them, but it could be over, could it be over occupation with them? If it takes me away from my fellowship and my trusting prayer in him, then is it of him? We should love and we should pray, but are we over occupied emotionally? Have we taken the emotions of those that we love upon ourselves? No. What we do, the best thing we can do is pray. Because what that's going to do, it's not only going to protect them, it's going to protect me, listen, from a false burden and a false need and taking false leadership. Taking false leadership and giving false counsel based upon emotions. And emotions cannot interpret the word of God properly. It cannot do that. So God protects us. Prayer is dependence. It keeps me away from what I should not be involved in. And because if it does, then if God is trying to do something with an affliction in his loved ones, can I get in the way? Should we pray? Yes. Pray for them. Minister love to them. But if we become so occupied that it just takes over our whole thought life and our emotions Reveal the thoughts are not right. Where does that leave us? And truthfully, where does it leave them? 
Remember, all things are for our sakes. How, how do we rationalize that word all? All things are for our sakes. Do you wonder why uh, certain leaders go through some of the things that they go through? I'm going to tell you because it's their preparation for intimacy with Christ. And you cannot lead apart from that. There's no leading apart from intimacy. And that's why we need to be alone. Even, listen, even in the sickbed. Boy, I'll tell you, I've spent some time there. I spent some time. And basically, what can you do on a sickbed? You can't do anything. Do you think God is teaching by that? He is. And do you think if we think properly that he's teaching us by that? By what we see? And should we? Psalm 112, verse 7, he will not be afraid of evil tidings. Did you hear that? Are we supposed to be afraid of evil? Listen, if we're the dot and God's the circle and he allows evil to touch us, is it for against us or for us? It is for us. It drives us to him. Listen, this is what it says. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart, his mind, listen to that, not emotions. Listen, not emotions. Emotions. His mind is fixed, trusting in the Lord. It is that you can't trust God for, for others. Why? Because he's trying to teach you and me in areas of our life we don't trust him. We make ourselves to be the counselor. We could be the interrupter. Again, we should love and we should care. The best thing that we can do when God has people in these situations, listen, is to give ourselves to prayer. Is to give ourselves to prayer. So we can see he, he said, and again in Exodus 3 verse 7, I heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Listen to me. Who knows their sorrows? Do we, apart from God? Do we even know why they're there? Again, if they're there, is God against us in any way? Could the sickness or the pain or the suffering be something that's against us if we're in Christ? And the answer is absolutely no. God for us, who against us? Read the litany of those things in Romans chapter 8, 31 to 39. Read it. Nothing can be against us. You know, that's what Jacob said. Jacob said in Genesis 42 and verse 36, all these things are against me. Was it the word of God and proper thinking or was it his emotions? It was his emotions. That's why the Bible teaches us and that's why we teach it here by the grace of God that even our good emotions, never mind the bad ones, are to be those that direct us. Because sooner or later, we may be on the top of the roller coaster, but it's not too much longer when we're going down. But the mind of Christ is immovable. Malachi 3, 6, and the Lord thy God I change not. He doesn't change. Malachi 3, 6, I'm the Lord your God I change not. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, Yesterday, today, and forever. Did you know that? Did you know he bases yesterday and today on our, our forever in him? Because did you know that he declared the end from the beginning in Isaiah 46, verse 10? And known unto God in Acts 15, 18 are all his works from what? From the beginning 
And who's our beginning? And who's our end? In Revelations 1, 8, 11, and 17. He's the Alpha. He's our beginning. He's the Omega. He's our end. End of what? There will be an end of suffering. There will be an end of pain. But right now, it's leading to an eternity. And we must, as Christ did, pass through suffering on our way to glory. And there are some tremendous rewards based upon that. Now, fact of the matter is, from the moment that you and I receive Christ, and it's like our eyes opened up, from that moment, from that particular hour, all our works, and all our works were what we received from him who was doing the working, correct? Will be reviewed at the Bema seat, which is an evaluation. It's not about sin. It's, an, it's a manifestation of what we allowed his will to do with our will submitted to him. All the rest will be burnt up. But there will be the suffering of loss. There will be the gain of reward. There will be. Now, we are in a school. You and I are in God's school. Everyone that we know that's a Christian, everyone that we know that's a Christian, whether it be our dad, our mom, our uncles, I don't care, it doesn't matter, does not matter. Our loved ones, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, does not matter. Natural family, spiritual family, every single thing about them is they are in God's school, and that school is affliction. It's the only way we learn. It's not against us. It's not. It's for us. In the school. Now, in this school, there's a, a lot of process and processes going on of learning instruction. That's why it says in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in what? Grace. I can't take the grace that I had yesterday and bring it over to here as much as I try with my emotions. I can't. It's step by step. It steps in Psalm 37, verse 24. It steps in Job 31 and verse 4. And by the way, he counts all our steps, and they're never counted outside of him in 1 Peter 2.21, who went before us in those steps. His plan has to do with the steps that Christ walked for each and every single individual in their life. You cannot go anywhere without Christ. Doesn't matter. Read Psalm 139. Read those verses in 12, right to the end. Uh, Psalm 139, 7, all the way through to 15 and 16. You can't leave him. Because he won't leave you. He just won't. Now, in this process, and here's what we're going to talk about. This process of, of an, the, this instructing through the word, and remember in Psalm 119, 67, the psalmist said, before I, I was afflicted, what did I do? I went astray. I left God. What's the easiest thing to do? We've said over and over. It's to forget God. It's to make something other of more importance than him. And even could it be a loved one? Who's going to take care of them? Who died for them? Who paid for their sins? Who knows their end from the beginning and their beginning from the end? Who's planning? Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, and Psalm 18, verse 30, is perfect. Is it perfect? Is his plan perfect? 
Is it based upon his very nature? Does he make a mistake? He does not. This instruction here, the fact that God is doing a work as the first cause in our life, to cause and effect. If God's the cause, which he is, he's the first cause, he's uncreated life, right? He's the cause, and God is love, and that's the fact. So every desire, he's to bring to an effect a desired end. Let me ask you this. What is God's desired end for you and I? What is he leading us to constantly? To Christ in an experiential reality. That, an experiential reality. Our emotions are up and down and all over the place. But the mind of Christ is solid. It's that foundation that he was talking about in Matthew 16, 18. It's that foundation in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11. It's immovable. It's immovable. Always this. Always what? Be steadfast and immovable. What? In 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Why? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Does that mean we're doing it or that he's doing it in us? When God does the working, when Christ moves in, fear moves out. Insecurity moves out. Doubt moves out. Out it goes. So everything about the word is bringing us to, a, a, to an effect of a desired end, which, listen to this, which to someone that's going to be a casual observer bear no relation to the end desired. In other words, I can look at my circumstances and situations and just see, wow, they're helpless and hopeless. They, they don't even make any sense. Well, whose plan is it? Who had that plan before we were born? And is, is it when I look by sight and not by absolute dependence, is it any relation to what I think the end of my desire would be? Well, that's what Moses was, that's what was going on in Moses. He was, bitted, he was being fitted for leading a nation out of bondage. But if he was going to lead it out of bondage, what did he need to have? Did he need to be alone with God? Are there times when it's necessary on the sickbed? There's times when God will use us. There can be periods of times that God will use us. Then he'll place us right back into a place where we need to continue to learn and continue to grow and learn new things about ourselves. And then there's, a, there's times to be alone, too. And we've said that, and God has brought that out to us. But he was being fitted. Because when you're alone, that's when God works in intimacy with Christ. He has to bring us to the point because we will not bring ourselves. Do, you, do we know that? Is there anything about us that we think that we can bring ourselves to where God would have us to be? There's no way. That's why he said in John 21 and verse 18, he said, he said to Peter, I am going to carry you to a place where you wouldn't even desire to go. How many would choose sickness? How many would choose sickness? Come on, and suffering. How many would choose that if it was left up to them? Thank God things aren't left up to us. Because in 1 John 3, 20, God knows what? All things. And all things work together for the good. To them that are the loved of God and are called according to his purpose, as we said in Romans 8, verse 28. 
Moses was being fitted himself. He was, God was infusing into him through obedience, through a submitted will, proper desire. When you have a proper desire, now you function in a proper image and a proper identity. And then you realize God for you in Romans 8, verse 31, who against you? Would God allow anything in your life that would be against you? Because if he did, his Christ did not, his son Christ did not finish the work. He would not be seated resting. By the way, that is our position in him, seated rest. We're resting in Zephaniah 3, verse 17, in his love. We are, in Ephesians 1, 6, accepted in the beloved, who is his son. So he's being fitted to lead a nation out of bondage, many. While for many a long and weary year he tended his flock in the land of Midian. What is this about? Huh. God using these other people, God doing these great people, here I am with sheep. He got content in that way. Moses did. Because at the same time, he was enjoying the comforts of what? Private life. Private life. Well, there's a psalm here. And uh, Psalm 107. I'll read it to you. Psalm 107, verse 17 says, Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Now, does that mean that God considers me a moron in Christ? No. What is a fool? One who starts receiving their only source, Christ, and begins to function in themselves as their own source. You'll see that in Proverbs 18, verse 2. That's what a fool is. They've left their confidence. You'll see that again in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35. And all these scriptures are a beautiful mosaic and a beautiful, this is where we get the preaching of the word and God's thoughts with the correlation of these scriptures. This is where we get it. Fools, because of their transgression. What's a transgression? I knew better, I did it anyway. Remember we said in James 4, 17, to him that knows to do good, does it not to him it is what? And what is sin in Psalm 51, verse 4? We, it's evil. Sin is evil. You get, you get used to it. The enemy wants us to get used to that. What is worry? What is doubt? That's sin? <laughs> is it evil to doubt God after having done everything? I don't know. We said this again in Texas. I'll say it again here. All those that chose to be born, raise your hand. Mm-hmm. You think that had something to do with God's will? Okay. All those that chose their parents, raise your hand. All those that chose to look a certain way, raise your hand. I don't know. Was that part of God's plan before any of us were born? And it is. So he was Moses in the comforts of his private life, tending sheep. But you know what? Who could hardly see how that common work would fit him for the great spiritual, moral eminence of leading and guiding over 2.4 million wandering Jews in the wilderness. And you know, without a proper Christ, without a proper leader, all we do is wander in this world system. It's all we do. 
because he hasn't left it up to us. And by the way, any more than we did not choose to be born, any more that we did not choose our parents, any more that we did not choose to look a certain way, it is not up to us to choose who our leaders and our pastors and teachers will be. It's God's choice. He doesn't make mistakes. They may make mistakes in their growth. That's why it's so important. <coughs> Excuse me. And why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, we preach not ourselves, but Christ. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Now, look what it says in Psalm 107. Oh, plenty of time. So precious. Psalm 107, verse 17. Fools, because of of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are what? Afflicted. Affliction, God afflicting us and chastening us is a sign of, is an absolute manifestation of his love for us. To bring us back into the comfort of his love. Look at verse 18. It says this. Their soul abhorred all manner of meat. That's what we're like when we don't think with him. That's what we're like in our emotions. We abhor all manner of everything because it doesn't make sense. Why is this happening? I don't know. 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Why do you think it's strange when this fiery trial is to try try you? I don't know. Is that strange? Well, if I don't understand suffering leading to glory, I will. Their soul abhorred all manner of meat, they draw near unto the gates of death. That's what some think. It's over. Sometimes we think things are over. Sometimes we think if we change our environment or change the place where God put us, that somehow we will not only change ourselves, but we, God will use us to change others. And let me make that crystal clear. That is not the case. Let me make that crystal clear. It is not the case. At all. As a matter of fact, if you go back, and I would like folks to remember, and as I would remember, to think, and was there blessing in our past where we were located at one time? Of course there was. But do you remember some of the other things? (laughs) It was his faithfulness that led us out to bring us into his presence. Now, They think they're near the gates of death. Look at what it says, verse 19. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he saves them out of their distresses. Did you hear that? Who's going to save you out of your distresses? Who's going to do that? Who's going to do that for your loved ones? You tell me. Hmm? Does God need me out of my place to do that? Well... In that measure, would I be replacing him? Would I get in the way? Would I hinder it? Oh boy, we're going to see this. All of us. Listen, he sent his word and healed them. Did you hear that? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Where's goodness located in? It's in God. Any in us apart from him? There's zero. No. None whatsoever. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. All that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with singing and rejoicing. Listen to this. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. 
you know, like Moses, he was in the comfort. Some sheep, just leave me alone. I failed. No one understands me. I just want to be alone. Tend some sheep and just be comfortable. And that's it. I don't want all these things to affect me. Right? And it's just like the ship in the comfort of the harbor. It never leaves. But you know what? How do you test the reliability of that shape, that ship, unless it goes out into the sea, the deep waters, and goes through storms. How do we prove his love? How does he prove his love to us? How does he prove his faithfulness? And furthermore, how does he prove our weakness and our helplessness and hopelessness in ourselves? Well, right. Look at what it says. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord. You know, you, ha- you need to be alone. You need to go through sickness. You need to go through that. Because in those places, in the closet, when no one else is there, that's where you're going to see personally the works of the Lord for you personally. And for me personally. Right? These see the works of the Lord and his wonders. What? His wonders in the what? Deep. Psalm 42, 7. The deep calls unto the deep. At the noise of your water spouts, all your waves and your bellows have gone over me, (laughs) have surrounded me. So Moses here, as we wrap this up, he was being taught through intimacy with God. And just like we're being taught through intimacy with Christ, proper desire and proper image, in those alone times, And in that learning, in that instruction, when he was alone on the backside of the desert, was he he often chafed by different things? Do you get chafed by certain things? Do you get chafed by each other? By circumstances and situations? Well, do you get worried? Do you ever worry about certain things? Listen, do you ever worry about yourself? Do you ever worry about your loved ones? Well, whose hand are they in? In John 10, 28 and 29. Whose hand are you in? What better place to be? How about 1 Peter 5, 6? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. What? Above not only your troubles, but making someone else's troubles and pain yours. Pray for them? Yes. Love them? Absolutely. Absolutely. But was it? Were they at their wit's end? What does God need to do for us to go forward, to continue to go forward? He has to bring us to what? To our wit's end. Can't figure it out, can't do it, doesn't make any sense. So then my options are what? Quit or what? Go forward. That's what he told Moses. Stand still. Sometimes we want to get involved in other people's lives. Okay? We want to give them counsel. And the best thing that we could do when we don't even have enough for ourselves, is in Exodus 14, verse 13, stand still. What does that mean? Don't do anything. Stand still. And then you'll see the deliverance, the salvation of the Lord. You will see it. And when you do, you personally, in 14 and 15 of Exodus, you will go forward. You will go forward. And if you're not going forward with him in fellowship, I'll tell you what, you're going back. And if you think things, 
things are going to get better, and you think that you're going to make things better, for those back there, I got news for you. <laughs> you and I wouldn't be in the place. Believers wouldn't be in the place where they are if that was the case. If that was the case. Listen, the process continued. What was he learning? What are we learning? What are we learning? Through what we go through and our loved ones go through, the body of Christ goes through, what are we learning? This is what we're learning. I'll tell you what we're learning. We're learning this. What? To think. Notice that? To think. That has nothing, listen, to do with the emotions. Thinking has nothing to do with the emotions. Okay? We are what? To learn. To think little of our own powers. What are our own powers? What do we have to offer God outside of Christ? I'll tell you what we have. We have emotions. And if I have bad emotions or I think they're good, they're based upon thoughts that aren't from him. That are not from him. Who's in control of you? Who is, has Christ lost control? Has he lost control of us? Listen, let me tell you. Has he lost control of your loved ones, your family? The body of Christ. Has he lost control? And does he need my help now? Does he? No. He doesn't. He just wants you and I to rest in his love. Does. Because that's the best place we can be for ourselves and for those that we love. Then we pray properly for them. We pray properly. We trust God who will never leave them. He's promised to never leave them nor forsake them. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, and Joshua 1, verse 5, never would. Never would. See? So to think that God would use my powers to affect something in someone that I could do in them apart from where God has them. You know what it's based on, the health at times that we think we need to do by leaving the place where we are? It's emotions. It's not clear thinking at all. No. And I've seen it with precious people. I've seen it live and in color. How others that are in a situation, they were going forward with God's will, some even pertaining to marriage, when the emotions of a loved one began to affect them negatively. Thought. Okay, listen. But though he, Moses had thoroughly learned this lesson to think little of himself and his own powers. What is it? What's the thing that's so remarkable about him? What was remarkable is that he lacked a correct sense. What's correct sense have to do with? The word. Proper thinking, not emotions. Going to make it crystal clear. Not emotions. Emotions don't are not to direct us. Okay. I don't care, even good ones don't direct us. They are not the source of our counsel. The word of God is. In a correct sense, he lacked the correct sense of what was due to God. You know what he lacked? I'm going to tell you this. Listen to this. Boy, this is key. He lacked, what did he lack that was due to God? And what did he do? He neglected to circumcise his son, family member. (laughs) He neglected through the preaching and teaching the word to circumcise fleshly areas in their lives. He neglected that, and I'm going to tell you, for 39 and a half years, he neglected it. That's right. Moses, a leader, a great leader, 
for 40 years in the wilderness with all the things that he went through personally, connected there, all those things that taught him to distrust himself, yet it had not taught him what was due to God. Listen to this one, in his children. I don't know, what are our schedules? What do we have our children involved in? How much time in our schedule does it take? What is God doing? What are they missing? All because they are not circumcised. We talked about it in Texas too, by the way. At all, if you have a proper team, okay, and it functions properly in a proper order, it starts with the coach. That's who it starts with. This is what it's saying in all of us. It starts with leaders, husbands. Husbands. Single people. Submitting to Christ, and when you don't, what happens? You lose the protection of his love. That's what we lose. And that's what he lost, okay? It was due to God. Why? Because typically, when our children are not circumcised, and when I forget them, what does it bring out? They become a revelation of our own works or lack thereof. And that is crystal clear. Crystal, crystal, crystal clear because children learn by their parents' conduct, not by what they say. What is my schedule? What is my plan? What am I allowed to do? I don't know. What does God's love allow us to do? What does it do? See? They, listen, those kids that aren't circumcised, they express the Father's own works. Nearness to God alone is the thing that will bring this out. To condemn us? To correct us. And if he can correct the coach, does that have an effect on the team? Will that bring out the effect of God's proper order? Because if you have proper order, you have proper desire. You have proper desire, you have proper image, proper identity. You can face anything. You can face anything. And God God not only will bring us to a place alone to acquaint us with this reality, but he insists on it. (laughs) He's not letting us get away with it. You want to know why sometimes we go through the things that we go through? Because God's going to prove it to us. Listen, it's got nothing to do with your emotions. Not one single thing. Listen, God is in control of your family. Period. Period. He does not need my emotions. He needs my love for them because that means he's loving me and he needs needs me to get acquainted with him in prayer for them and to trust him implicitly so I don't get in the way. And if I go to a place... And it seems all confusing and bad and dark. Why does God have me in that place? What's he teaching me? My own helplessness, hopelessness, my own resources have to come to an end. Have to come to an end. We're going to wrap it up. You cannot look, I cannot look, or in all the purpose of the Lord, and sending us into this world. Well, that's what it means to be born. You were sent into the world. You and I may not know this clearly. But when we don't understand it clearly, God's purpose 
and what he allows in our life. When we don't understand it clearly, when we don't, the education, the training of it becomes way less interesting. Not interested. Do you ever say that to God? Come on. God, you know what? <laughs> well, I am not interested in this. Do you ever say that? Yeah, I'm done. I'm not interested in it. Becomes less interesting. And when it does, you know what it does? Becomes less successful in our experience. <clears throat> but if you have, if you have it, you cannot fail to see that even your present occupation in the wilderness, the exact place where you are, I don't care where it is, sick, better, otherwise, is a necessary process to convince you and to convince me of the powerlessness of our own resources outside of Christ so that you and I can emerge from those times alone distrustful of our own power to accomplish what you most desire and value. Where is our desire and value? Where is God's desire and value? It's in his son. Is it in my worrying? No. In my emotions? No. It's in his son. It's in his son. Song of Solomon 4, verse 7. You are all fair, my love. There's not a single blemish or spot in you. Furthermore, in Song of Solomon 7, verse 10, I am my beloved's, listen to this, and his desire is towards me. His desire is towards me. I don't have a proper desire. I don't even realize what that is until I'm submitted to him. Everything about us is in Christ. That's where both are located. And at the same time, as we close, as you draw near to God, you will discover that everything derived from you, everything that's of the natural and the flesh must be circumcised and done away with of all that the natural self-life can boast in. Why? Because whose praise is not of men, but of God. And God grant us, right, that he teaches us. us. These are the lessons of his love. The lessons of his love. So thank you, Father, this morning for the lessons of your love. Thank you and praise you this morning. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, for your love, for your training, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that you, have, you are in control of everything, and anything other than that truth is an absolute lie, and there's no power in a lie. But God has not given us the spirit of fear in 2 Timothy 1.7, but of power and love and a sound mind, a well-disciplined mind, knowing how to think because of the power that Christ is and the love that he keeps us in in 1 Peter 1.5 and in 1 Corinthians 1.24. Thank you for your love for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.